Hey, welcome to the People of Packaging Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Peak. You can find me on all of the socials at Packaging Pastor. You can also connect with me on LinkedIn, which is where I'm the most active, Adam Peak, P-E-E-K. I'm looking forward to it. We have a new children's book out, Packaging Peaks and the Sticky Situation, available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and at Mascot Books. Listen, I also want to give a shout out here to Specrite. They have been a longtime sponsor of the podcast. Listen, do the letters E-P-R strike any fear in you at all? If not, if you're a packaging manufacturer or if you're a brand, you should at least start to figure out what your packaging specs are. It's going to be absolutely critical. Go learn more at specright.com or just hit me up and I'll put you in contact with Laura and Adam and the team over there. Also, Supply Caddy. Supply Caddy is a leading global manufacturer and supplier of packaging and disposables for the food service industry. Their headquarters are in Miami, Florida, and they have manufacturing facilities in North America and Europe. Supply Caddy is able to provide high quality, affordable products for restaurants, chains, and food service brands globally. For more information, you can go to Supply Caddy, S-U-P-P-L-Y-C-A-D-D-Y.com. All of these links will be down in the show notes. Please be sure to check it out and support the guests that we have on this show. Connect up with them, follow them, learn more about this story. And speaking of which, let's get to our next guest. All right, everyone. So I am in the quietest space <laughs> in all of Pack Expo history, I'm pretty sure, here at the Harpack Ulma booth. Um, and when the door shut in this booth, I think, you know, you said it's like, it's like white noise. White ambient noise. Yep. We will try to stay awake the whole time. during. The, hopefully our listeners can stay awake during the podcast too. <laughs> it is 3.30 on day one. Yep. And it feels like we've been here for three weeks. I don't know about you, but man, there's a ton of people here at the show already. I, I did not expect to see this much energy, this many people here. It's been great. Uh, and I'm joined by Josh Becker. Josh, I didn't even get your official title gotcha. at Harpeck Oma. Sure. Um, again, so Adam said, I'm, I'm Josh Becker. I am the bakery and confection segment manager for Harpeck Oma. Um, so really, what does that mean? So my role and responsibility here is kind of growing our footprint in those two uh, segments, bakery and confection, um, with our packaging machinery. And if you don't know who Harpack Alma is, we are a, a provider of um, some pretty good primary packaging with flow wrapping, thermoforming, vertical bagging, tray sealing, and then really all automation before and after. So really a, a full turnkey product to pallet solutions provider. Um, and just excited to kind of be representing um, the company here at the show again. So, so um, I, I've got questions about you said confectionery and baking. So it seems like as a company though, you that's not all that you do, right? There's there's various right. different things that you do you yep. manufacture, do you distribute, do you support service, do you do all of the above? Yep. So so company wise, uh, you know, we're in all vertical markets. Meat, cheese, produce, proteins, medical device, industrial, and then obviously the aforementioned bakery and confection. Um you know, as an OEM, we're manufacturer, all of our equipment's manufactured in Spain, but all of the service and support in the North American business unit is done from Harpac Alma with their, you know, geographically located service technicians, part locations, corporate offices here in Massachusetts. So it's really a North American company uh, with, as a, with a kind of a European footprint from the OEM side. So, yeah. Got it. And you just uh, like from the womb were like, you know what I want to do in my life? <laughs> 
is I want to be in baking and confectionery equipment. Was that is that like your dream that you've uh, you had always wanted to do, or how did you get to this oh, job? Well, hundred percent. But yeah, <laughs> you know, start back at the beginning, right? Yeah. Um, no. So your first job out of college sometimes sets your career. Uh, I have a degree in chemical engineering from Penn State. Um, never been a chemical engineer. First job out of college was at a Frito-Lay operation in Connecticut as a second shift packaging room supervisor. So right away, you know, college grad, I'm in a packaging environment, um, packaging lines, vertical, vertical baggers, statistical weighers, fully inundated into the packaging world. And now it's 27 years later and I'm still in the packaging world. Uh, went through a couple of different companies, um, you know, Kraft Foods, Frito-Lay, uh, Bimbo Bakeries, the Hershey Company, roles in operations, engineering, maintenance, uh, packaging equipment design, project management. And really, that's kind of propelled me to the role I'm at at Harpac Alma today, which I joined about about three years ago, is leading bakery and confection. Because the last 15 years of my career was between Hershey and Bimbo, complete bakery and confection. So, Got it. Yep. And it's what's fascinating to me is you have built a career, you said 27 years. Yep. You've built a career in an industry that people know about, but I'm guessing that very few people, when you're at like a dinner party, they're like, Josh, what do you do? And you tell them there, and you probably get a lot of like, oh. Yeah. You, you, you how, do you, how do you carry on from that conversation yeah. with you, people? When someone asks, you almost have to explain what you do because people don't have All right, let me just jump in here real quickly because this is super exciting. Uh, my wife and I and our kids came out with this book, Packaging Peaks in the Sticky Situation. It took us a couple of years to write. We spent a lot of time in illustrating and all that. It's finally out. It's available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and at mascotbooks.com. There's a link down in the show notes that you can click. We wrote it because I was trying to describe to my kids you know, what it's like. And there's all these children's books out there about various different industries and about various different jobs. We wanted people in our industry to have a book to be able to relate to their kids with. So go pick it up, please. It would mean so much to support us. Packaging Peaks in the Sticky Situation on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Let's get back into this interview. And it's, it's, it's scary because how many goods in the world are packaged? Basically, every good is packaged. And yet, if you're not in the industry, everyone just assumes the products miraculously appear right. wherever they need to buy them easily. Nobody thinks about the supply chain. No one thinks about what it takes to get product from, you know, ingredients to what you're purchasing as a consumer. Um, but it's all around us, but it's still struggles. I have to explain it every time someone asks me it's, and I'm sure you see the same thing, Adam, all the time, especially when they're like, wait, you, you host a podcast about <laughs> packaging. And I'm like, yeah, they're like there's enough people who I'm like, I listen to like three Denver Nuggets podcasts, like <laughs> packaging is a trillion dollar global industry. It's huge. Absolutely. Um, and so, yeah, I, I find myself less and less because I just uh, stopped having friends. Yeah. Just like stop making new friends. You don't have to <laughs> explain. Well, or, or all your friends are just the ones in the industry. Exactly. And they understand it because you don't have to explain it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I've told people before, I just say, look around you, everything that you can physically see or touch arrived at that location and packaging was an integral part yep. of its arrival there. Yeah. Everything from the drywall to the paint that's on the wall, every, the flooring, everything is there. And there was probably somebody who had to engineer the packaging to make sure that it got there and the drywall isn't damaged and yep. the paint wasn't tarnished and the 
you know, the chocolate and the bakery goods weren't going, you know, expiring too Correct. soon or whatever it is. Like yeah. somebody has to do that. Yeah. And uh, and you get to play a, a yeah. role in well, it. And it's still, though, it's like when you say packaging, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, you mean like the materials and stuff, right? I'm like, well, that's part of it. We use those. I still think not enough people even know that there's an industry that exists around the equipment side. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I was on a podcast a couple of years ago talking to a friend of mine just trying to grow awareness in the in the industry. Um, you were on another packaging podcast? No, I didn't. I, I participated in one. Well, Harpack Alma <laughs> does run another <laughs> one called Rappy Hour. Rappy Hour with, um, with Andrew. Andrew. Yeah. Um, yeah. But what's interesting is, is you can go to school for mechanical engineering, electrical engineering, different engineering fields. And what do you think of? Oh, you think of aerospace and automotive and computers. Like, oh, that's where every engineer goes. No. The, 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 the manufacturing industry... Nobody knows about it. Nobody can go to school for packaging equipment engineering, but you should be able to go to school for packaging equipment engineering. Mm -hmm. It would make our lives as OEMs and solution providers and anyone in the industry uh, so much happier if we could hire people who actually knew what we were doing so we didn't have to explain it for the first two to three years of their career. Yeah. No doubt. I've actually thought about that too with uh, with sales and business development at the the packaging colleges. Yep where they're already have, they have degrees. I'm like, well, you can, can you, can we teach a class or two about yeah, how to do marketing, how to do business development, yeah. how to do, you know, equipment engineering. Yeah. They talk about equipment for a, a day, right? it's like, oh, today's day is going to be on equipment. Yeah. But well, tomorrow we'll talk about materials again. So we just forget <laughs> about the equipment. <laughs> but there's so many important things between equipment and material interaction that are so important. If so, the, if we can expand the education of, of the segment of the industry, uh, we'll all be better off. And I know we'll get into talking about some sustainability stuff later. Sure. But that's where it starts. It starts between understanding the equipment side and the material side and the product side. The complete supply chain is impacted by it all. A hundred percent. And we don't, we don't have to wait till later. So we yep. can talk about it now. So yep. um, I've been a big advocate for, for a long time when it comes to sustainability, specifically with something like baked goods or, you know, bread or mm -hmm. cheese or these staples that are required for sustaining the rapid population growth of America and of the world. It's like, well, packaging is actually at the tip of the spear on that. I mean, there's, there, there's really nothing sustainable about all of the energy that goes into a confectionery item or to a, you know, to bread or whatever it might be. There's a lot of energy that's involved in that. And if all of that goes to that product goes bad and gets thrown into a landfill where now we have to make sure that we're capturing the methane release from mm -hmm. the, from the landfill. And we, it, it create food waste creates a whole giant nightmare, 100%, right? hundred percent. Um, and, and most people don't realize that at least the people that follow me on TikTok don't. <laughs> so, uh, talk to us a little bit about what it is, what role does the equipment play? Cause the materials often get talked about a lot. Yep. Nobody's, probably writing letters to you. Maybe they are, but because um, they don't they don't know your name. They don't yep. see, you know, your your brand or whatever, like in, you know, wrapped around a turtle yep. or something like that. But what role are you playing in helping move the ball forward uh, from a sustainability perspective, especially around something as critical as bakery and confectionery yep. items? Yeah. So, you know, when you talk sustainability, you know, it resonates a lot with people when they can kind of see it, feel it, 
uh, or maybe are impacted by whatever that packaging is. So there's there's a big push for, oh, let's go to sustainable packaging and whether that's the what the material's made out, make sure it's recyclable, reusable, you know, compostable, avoid landfill, right? And there's some some really large companies that said, hey, by 2025, we're going to be 100% reusable, recyclable, compostable, nothing goes to landfill. And that's, that's fantastic. Um, and so when you think of the equipment perspective and how that kind of impacts the ability to kind of go that route is, you know, we're used to running, you know, some materials that have been running forever. And so you want to make it more sustainable. Okay. That may change the composition of that material. It's going to change the interaction with that packaging machinery. So as an OEM, we need to understand how to, how to make our equipment also run multiple packaging films, packaging materials, packaging components to kind of meet some of those demands kind of being pushed down from the, the material side. Right. But you mentioned kind of landfill earlier and kind of food waste. I think it also sustainability needs to be looked kind of the holistic approach of the entire supply chain. If you can create less waste at every step in your process, you're going to be more sustainable. Yeah. And, but but people kind of forget about that because it's not you're not changing the material you're not changing the boxes you're not changing anything you're just creating less waste in general right and how do you create less waste we'll become more efficient with what you do yeah and i think that sometimes gets overlooked because we, we hear about the big buzzwords and the regulations of all these different things and the you know but it's if you go back to the basics and i'm, I'm i i'm someone Common sense, go back to basics. Anytime you're faced with a problem, let's kind of look at it in a simplistic elementary approach. Why do we have, you know, a sustainability problem or a landfill problem is because we create way too much waste. Mm -hmm. So as an OEM, let's look at machinery that can maybe run more efficient. You know, 85% today, 90% tomorrow, that's 5% improvement in efficiency. What's that do to the waste number? It's going to significantly decrease the amount of waste you're producing. Um, that has to be looked at as well from a sustainability kind of calculation or whatever you want to call it. I think that's important. Totally. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that this is a question I've actually never been able to ask somebody on the equipment side is, 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 so let's say if, if there was a company who said, all right, we've run our tests and we want to switch from, you know, this film, whatever it is, mm -hmm. some like Virgin petroleum based plastic film to a uh, industrially compostable PLA film, you know, assuming that it would pass all the barriers. Yes. Yeah. Right. Is that then when, when are you pulled in on that conversation typically to when they, are they asking, Oh no, we need to find out if this can run on our equipment. Is that typically after they've done certain types of analysis? I mean, I know oftentimes packaging folks are left on the sidelines until mm -hmm. it's like, Oh, Hey, Hey, packaging kids. You guys go figure this out now. Yeah. It's like, well, we can't. <laughs> it's not going to work yeah. that way. Do you, do you often feel the same way on the equipment side? Or are you brought in earlier? Uh, you know, we feel the same way. But but I think, you know, when it's a customer that we're dealing with quite a bit, or it's, um, um, you know, a customer who has more of an idea of what they're doing, we're, we're brought in earlier. Um, because, uh, you know, the equipment has to be able to adapt to whatever materials being being produced a lot of times you know that may require an equipment change um and what's that equipment change then mean um a lot of times it may require um different ceiling parameters so therefore a machine that runs 120 packages per minute per today on the existing film you know it takes a little bit longer to seal that film hey you're going to run 100 packages per minute you're going to lose 20 percent of your production 
So what does that mean then from the, the manufacturers? Like, well, man, if I'm running 120% less, do I need more packaging lines? Right. Can I still make the same amount of product? Do I need more real estate? Do I need to put another plant somewhere? So it's, I think the earlier anyone's involved, you can help you know circumvent some of those processes. You know, because no no manufacturer today wants to run less products tomorrow, um, to be more sustainable. They want to run more products and be sustainable. Yeah. So you can only do that, I think, when you kind of get your OEMs involved extremely early in the process, and whether that's testing, prove you can do the sealing, prove you can actually unroll the film, you know, off you know, off the roll. Does it how's it transfer through the machine, et cetera? I mean, it's. It's got to be looked at early on. The earlier, the better to be successful. I really love that phrase. I've never actually heard anyone put it that way of no manufacturer. I mean, it makes sense, right? Yeah. No manufacturer today wants to make less tomorrow to be more sustainable. They want to make more, but in a more sustainable way. Yeah. I think that really summarizes a lot of the struggle is sometimes the answer is, well, what if we just didn't have so much crap in the mm -hmm. world, just so much stuff and so many yeah. options and and it's it's a it's hard. I mean, I, I get into arguments with people all the time where they're like, "Well, why do I mean?" I did a video the other day with uh, cheese, mm -hmm. and I said I walked through the cheese thing, and everything had, you know, a film, a plastic film on it, and I just said, I, "How would we get away from this?" Yeah, and and everyone had these ideas that were, I don't know, you know, paper or dip it all in wax, yeah. and it's like, well, that's not really actually sustainable. That's actually more work and more materials than what this is. So you're asking companies or, or people just said, well, you don't need that many choices. Well, apparently we do. I don't, yeah. <laughs> they're well, there. Yeah. You can't just say, don't make stuff. Yeah. Like that's where the market, the market will tell you to not make it. But if the market's telling you, you want more of your thing, yeah. doing it more sustainably is, yeah. But, but marketing's telling you we need more SKUs and innovation to drive interest in our brand. And that happens often by creating different products that maybe have a, a one, two year life cycle, if that. But it, it drives more interest back into the brands. I mean, that, that's everyone's kind of job is somewhat competing against each other, it feels. Right. Um, and, and maybe that's just where we are in the industry. Um, you know, everyone has their own ideas or their own agenda. To their success what 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 is success for one may not be successful the other it could end up being you know failure for one um so yeah it's it's interesting um and it, it's and i think if you it more on the bakery side you know it's all right certain products have a certain shelf life and it maybe always be that shelf life does it does it make sense to kind of extend that shelf life but then you've got more product tied up in the supply chain you got more product in storage and you're relying then on future orders to come in. So a lot of the fresh bread market today, orders that are being made in the manufacturing plants are sold already to the store. All right, so the store says, okay, my historical data says I need X amount of product for this time of year because whatever. Uh, so the manufacturer's already making that product that's already technically sold into the store. Mm -hmm. um, and then it comes down to the consumer side of, you know, purchasing and replenishing shelves, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, no one wants an empty shelf, but a lot of times an empty shelf might mean, hey, that's less waste because that product is going to go bad at some point in time. If you if you go into the store and you see a whole lot of product on the shelf, but you see all these varying code dates, you know that a certain I mean, I'm a consumer. I'm going to buy the code date that is farthest away from today. Right. I'm not buying the one that expires in three days. And maybe that's the problem. Maybe I should buy that one to kind of minimize, minimize the waste. So, you know, maybe I'm also causing the sustainability crisis that we're in. So, I think we all on some level 
there's a there's a level of hypocrisy, right? That we all kind of walk in. It's almost a necess a necessary hypocrisy. Because I agree. I mean, on the one hand, you can lament about consumerism, and on the other, I buy stuff on Amazon. I feel like every day, and I, I have a hundred pairs of sneakers that I don't I I don't need to have them, you know, in order to like live my life. You're keeping those sneakers out of the landfill is what you're doing. Though. That's so what thank, doing. So thank you. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. I have not, I haven't landfilled them. <laughs> uh, I will hold on to them as an investment. Um, so uh, getting back here to, to Harpak Oma. So yep. th this was an example I've actually used before. I was mentioning to you in a, in a previous role when I worked for WS Packaging. We had a, it was, it was a linerless label from this uh, company that we had, Ravenwood was mm -hmm. the company that we had licensed the technology from. And so I was at a pack expo at the hard pack Ulma booth. That's how I know about okay. the company. And we had a Ravenwood linerless applicator at the end of a, it was a vacuum skin pack tray. Gotcha. And it was, we were talking about sustainability then. And we got a lot of questions cause it was the tray and the film was, was plastic. The wrap was plastic going around it. And it was like, well, how is this sustainable? Um, and we had heard a, a meat company told us that they had like a 76% waste on like lamb, <laughs> but they, they had to produce X amount and sell it to the store because the stores had to keep it in stock because the people who bought lamb also bought a lot of other stuff. And if they didn't have lamb in their store, they were going to lose these customers. So they, it was this whole story about how this allowed them to keep the lamb fresh for like four X longer. So they ordered fewer of this one product. And so they were wasting a lot less. Yeah. And had they stuck with the, I think it was the modified atmosphere pressure yep. system, um, which I know isn't, isn't always better or worse just right. in this particular instance it was. Um, but the problem was they couldn't figure out a way to brand it because it sucked all the way down and you're trying to slap a label on it or something like that. So anyway, we just had this whole, fun conversation with people at the booth. Um, and that was, that was a few years ago. I don't even remember at this point, maybe four or five years ago. So now what are, what are the conversations like at the booth? What are you excited about? We're in what South South lower. lower. Yep. Booth yeah. 6101. Yeah. South lower 6101. Yep. I'm going to try to get this podcast yep. out tonight, by the way. Oh, perfect. So, uh, <laughs> people, you'd be listening to this the day that we record. Oftentimes I record it. And then like six, seven, eight weeks later, we put it out. <laughs> that would be kind of stupid. Yeah. So, um, so what are people talking about here? There's a, you have a ton of folks milling yep. around. I don't know if they're all Harpac Ulma employees or just paid actors and actresses that you brought in. Well, well we do have food. That's awesome. We have okay. wine and beer, you know, so that draws people into the booth, you know, and then maybe, maybe, yeah. Well, Weird. <laughs> yeah. Shocker. Right. Um, you know, maybe they're here for us. Maybe they're here for that, you know? Um, so, so we're showcasing in our booth a little bit of kind of each different packaging technology that we have. We got a vertical bagger. Um, uh, and what's unique about that feature is we call it, we call it tight bag. So, you know, anyone in the vertical bagging market, depending on what you're packaging, if you're not packaging potato chips, like potato chips, snack foods, you need air in the bag because that's a, that's a, it's, it's a call product protection. Yeah. You don't want a, a bag full of crushed chips, No. but anything else that's bagged that doesn't need air as that kind of protection feature. You know, one of the challenges in traditional vertical, the vertical bagging market is how to get the air out of the package. Mm. Uh, we got a bagger that has what we call a tight bag feature that actually pulls air out of the package through the fin seal. Mm. And you can control that amount of evacuation through the HMI. So if you want a little bit of air, but, you know, not so much. 
and what that what's unique about that and that's sustainable in the fact that okay your bag you know is not quite a pillow you can put more bags in a case you know what does that equate to well more product on a pallet you know less cost Half of shipping absolutely who are not well, mad well some customers are are sad if the bag looks smaller and the price is the same so you got to think of it that way but oh, but but they're, but they're dumb though but think oh, of sorry. yeah <laughs> there's no such thing as a dumb customer that was adam who said that <laughs> but you think about the thing so I, this has gone from experience and you know previous company is the seasonal um confectionery products mm-hmm. you know halloween for example you go into the big box stores, you go, you see cases of product, bags of everything, because everyone wants everything at, at those particular holidays. If you can take air out of those packages, you get more bags in that case. And that's just a win for everybody. You know, it's a win for the supply chain, you get less, less fuel on the road, moving that product around. That's a unique feature. So, so we got some sustainable sustainability features going on in the booth today. Um, uh, we have a flow wrapper that we're actually going to kind of do a, a paper plastic style film. So, you know, sometimes, you know, the sustainability might be on the attractiveness of the package to drive more consumers to the product. Mm-hmm. You know, no one wants to make an ugly package. I, I don't think anyone, when they created a product, you know, what, 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 how many years ago was it when someone came out with like just a, a, a white bag with like just black print on it, like and potato chips or so, th- something so generic, but no one wants that. Like people. It might play now. Yeah. Because minimalism's kind of back. But the point being that you gotta it's gotta be on brand right yep. you have to be able to sell your product yep. yeah yeah so you guys have a uh flow wrapper which sounds like um a really great like rap album name <laughs> just like <laughs> and i you you have yep. a great rap voice i don't know if you no, know that i've not, never tried to rap though and you have i'm not going to try either not right now not. i have i brought the dj in. Uh, i'd have to uh, read the lyrics uh, <laughs> and then you can play it at like five times speed and maybe it'd be like a rap but yeah uh, we'll just plug it into ai yeah. somewhere i've right? never even thought of what a rap name could be for me well i mean the flow rapper would yeah be, would be pretty solid um well i want you to think about that until yeah. next time All right, i will you have some homework yeah what's your rap you can plug in there's a wu-tang name generator oh nice and you can figure out what your wu-tang name would be okay so uh that's something that anyone can yeah. do that's just free advice for the excellent world. i appreciate that um well josh this has been great uh yeah. everyone come to wait it was sl6 6101 south lower hall it, you walk down the steps from the entrance to the south hall bam right in the middle you can't miss us um and you know we got other great technologies on display uh welcome anyone to come by so awesome love it and how would people get in touch with you that aren't at the show What's the best way? Just go to harpackalma.com? Go to harpackalma.com, you know, and if you're, uh, you know, any of my special bakery and confectionery guests out there, you can always email me at joshbecker at harpack-alma.com. Or find me on LinkedIn, you know, whatever. I mean, if you can't find someone today, you've got more challenges than, uh, you know, you know to do with. But It's so true. I appreciate it, Josh. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Adam. Hey, congrats. You made it to the end of the podcast. If you're looking for more great podcast material in the packaging industry, please check out Sustainable Packaging with Corey Connors and the newly redesigned Package Unboxed with Avelio Matos. Go find them wherever you listened to this podcast. Thanks, everybody.